Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. Their fuel 
7. For a moment, and let's read that together. We're going to come read the entire passage in a moment. Look at these words, verse 7. Follow along. As ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. What?
Lay down the 
2,000 miles of railroad track had been laid. And as soon as it was finished, trains began rolling in. I bring up that story because our mighty locomotive, God's power is irresistible. It's amazing, but it cannot reach us unless we lay down the tracks of prayer so that God's power can come to us and through us. And so, we must be born again. We must be converted. We must be part of the vine. And when we are, we have His power. A converted life is a powerful life. Number two, the abided life is a cleansing life. Is a cleansing life. Now we must be saved. Only when we're truly born again, Jesus, I am a lost sinner. I ask you to come into my soul and save me. Converted, saved. When we do that, that gets the ball rolling. And then we must be sanctified. We must be clean. Look at verse 2. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, prunes it, cleans it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, branches need to be cleaned from roots. They also need to have all the dead wood necessary growth needs to be clear. Every good vine has to be purged or pruned. I'm referring to anything in our life that hinders good growth and fruitfulness. Maybe it's a bad habit we have. Maybe it's some impure craving that burns in our soul. Maybe it's an unhealthy moral choice. And so farmer God gets out his Now, it might be just pleasant, cheers, convicting, cutting a little bit like a convicting sermon. One that stops on our toes now and then. Everybody needs to be in a place where you get your toes stomped on once in a while. The Bible exposition commentary said preaching should be marked by three elements. Conviction, warning, and appeal. The Apostle Paul put it this way. I will hide my eyes from you. 
In other words, if you want God to hear you, then clear your mouth up. You say, well, wow, what kind of men are we talking about? Well, Peter, powerful Peter, gave us five different sins that we could concentrate on and get them all over. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 2, first of all. As newborn days desire the sincerity of the word as you may grow. God wants us to be growing saplings. Well, what should we do? Verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all vows, all guile, all hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings, God said, clean your act up. First of all, all vows. Any overgrown weeds of subtle anger that provide kindling for other sins. You see, anger is a terrible sin. It's, it really is transferable. It kind of enrolls to the next thing. All guile, any fraud, any deceit, well, basically we're swindling somebody out of something. All hypocrisies, notice it's in the plural, because there's so many instances where we're hypocrites. Pretend friendships for the sake of personal gain. All envies, again, the plural, just so much of it. The covetous spirit, these covetous abilities, some of the prosperity, the fame, the success. God says, just let go of that. If you want to grow, you need to just stop that. Cut that out. And then all the evil speakings. Now, in technical terms, in the legal world, they might call this libel or defamation. It really just amounts to the hurting of the reputation and possibly their wealth or the well-being of another person. We should never do something that would hurt them. I'm not talking about the sincere discerning of what is wrong, right, wrong. But God said, be ready to clean your spiritual house up. To me, we clean our house like sometimes we clean our house when company's coming over. You know how it goes, right? Company's coming over, you've been so busy, at that night really clean my kebab, right, too? So what do you do? You open up the closet, throw stuff in the closet, you put it under the bed and in the oven, you know, yes, in the oven, I'll be done that. As long as nobody can see it, it's good, right? Out of sight. But you know, out of sight doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that may be an okay way once in a while to clean before guests come, but it's sure a terrible way to clean, to deal with the spiritual challenges in our life. God sees everything. And He's the one we need to be concerned about. God says, clean up your spiritual house, cut away that stuff, let me cut it away for you. So there must be a converted brain, a cleansed brain. There also must be, number three, a controlled brain. And abiding mind really is allowing ourselves to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, abide in me, and I can eat as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. There's really a control factor there. I'm just here to let God do whatever He wants in my life. No more can He Except you abide in me, abiding and being filled with Jesus, His thoughts, His mind. I, I just want to do what Jesus wants me to do, His work. All of that really equals being filled with the Spirit. Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, in Zechariah chapter 12, showed how that real supplication, real prayer, is definitely connected to the Holy Spirit in our life. Look at verse 10. And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and of supplication. That's what 
God said, when that happens, you've been controlled. That's a spirit of supplication. It'll take over. Romans chapter 11, Paul, through the Holy Spirit through Paul, gave us a little deeper understanding of this. Romans 11, verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever and ever. Of God. And it's he is the spring fountain. Everything I'm doing is of God. If I have strength, it's of God. If I think of it, it's of God. If I speak of it, it's God. Through Christ, the God that he is the channel through which anything happens. And then to God. He's the ultimate end. All we do is to be the ultimate end of God. Renouncing any and all of life's decisions that are independent of Jesus Christ. Our prayers fail when they're our prayers. The vibrant Christian life is not what makes me happy, but what makes Jesus happy. It's not, um, I wonder should I go to college A or to college B? That's really not the question. The real question is, what college did Jesus want me to go to? My mind, I'm thinking, who should I marry? Actually, my God said, really, it's who does Jesus want me to marry? Well, what about this job? serious consequences when we just decide to walk away from Jesus. 
amazes me how some folks just kind of give a not even hardly a second thought to missing church for week after week, month after month, don't read their Bible for a while, don't pray, don't talk to the Lord, don't try to witness. Folks, those are serious consequences to that kind of a life. Now, praise God, once we're lost, we can never be lost. And that is not what this verse is saying. It is not saying that somehow you're going to be cast into hell if you don't abide in Christ. Take a look at John chapter 10, verse 28. This one I'm to watch so we're all clear. Jesus, in that great sermon on the good shepherd, says, now, look, I'm your shepherd. You're my sheep. And he says, verse 28, I give eternal life to my sheep, and they'll never perish. All sheep are secure in Jesus' hands and the Father's hands. That's a double blessing right there. And it says they have eternal life. The very definition of eternal means it can't be conditional. It's eternal. And notice it says, I give it to them. It's a gift, not something earned. If we're not saved by our own good works, then we certainly can't be lost by our bad works. Jesus' point here, if we're not abiding, if we're not committed, if we're not steadfast for the Word of God, here's what's going to happen. We're going to wither. When we wither, we become easy kittens for the Satan's agents and emissaries. And then, the Bible says there's going to be a burning. Now, what happens when you burn up things? Well, pretty much it's gone. I mean, your peace? Gone. I used to have peace. It's Joy, gone. Confidence and living, gone. Just uh, a sense of fulfillment is gone. You say, well, well, I don't know, it's hard to serve God in some way. Let me tell you, if you think serving God's hard, try serving the devil. He's a slave driver. And that's what God is saying here. He said, if you leave the committed life, you're going to win. And then if you think it's tough now, you just wait. It's going to be a burning. A burning. Burn away everything ever had good on your life. We talk about hell on earth. An abiding life, a committed life, is simply saying, Lord, my life is a blank page. You write on that paper anything you want. I've signed it to the dollars over the years. He says, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I present my body, my spirit, my soul, the living sacrifice. Tony Francis, the old pop singer, said, everybody is somebody's fool. This morning, I hope you'll join me in saying, I am a fool for Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says. And the big question really is, whose fool are you? Everybody's somebody's fool. And so this morning, an abiding life is a converted life. Number two, an abiding life is a cleansed life. We've got to clean up our eyes. And number three, it's a controlled life. It is a life where we say, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, control me with your word, with your spirit. Four is a committed life. I everything evil. That's what I'm here to do. And if you do that, God said that just kind of clears the way for him four blessings. And finally, an abiding life is a confident life. Okay, now we're now to the we're to the real of the text verse. Verse seven. Will you read that again with me out loud? Let's read verse seven. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, not this, you shall ask what you will. Now, 
when we discovered, when we first came here, that we had to start digging in this old dirt, was that this dirt on this property has most of the area here is very, very, very hard. In fact, about two feet underneath the topsoil, there is a, a hard pan of basically brown concrete. I will tell you. And it is, I mean, you just can't do it. You need to take a, a jackhammer to get it down. Well, we did discover, though, that we could help the situation by putting a little hole and then filling it up with water. And once you fill that hole up with water and let it just soak for a while, then you can actually start digging with a shovel. Now, I think that applies to what we're talking about here. If we would pour the water of the Word of God into our thick, hard brains of ours and our spirit, it would make a big difference. It would begin to soak in. It's power. It's life. The Word of God is just amazing. Don't let someone, you know, trick you into thinking, oh, you know, the letter of the law. Kill it. That is so misunderstood. Look what Jesus said in John verse, or chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit that carries you. It is the Spirit of God that gives life quickened. That's what we need to do. For flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit. The words aren't dead. The Word of God is spiritual. It is life. That's why God said, the law of the Lord converts the soul, makes wise the simple. It helps the eyes to be able to see. Many dear saints of God wonder why they have no power in prayer. That's because they've not let the Word of God soak in. One very simple explanation of this is that we don't love the Bible. We don't really believe the Bible. We don't really read the Bible. But the truth is, we don't really meditate on the Bible. Many people will read a little devotion and a quick little verse, and boom! But throughout the day, that verse doesn't come back to it. Maybe some little quote of devotional sin. That's all good. I mean, it's, that's not bad, but that's something you add to what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is when a verse is living in your spirit. You can't get it out of your soul. It's like an earworm. Brain bomb that's just in there. And it's kind of rolls around. A little tune you hear or something. You know, it just rolls around. That, my friends, is born of meditation. A few weeks ago, I mentioned Jordan Mueller. Over the years, I mentioned him. He's been in the Christian church for a while. You've heard Jordan Mueller. 19th century, he's the perhaps most famous man of faith. He wrote a book. In fact, people have asked me over the years, uh, what are some books that changed your life? That was one of them. George Mueller of Bristol by A.G. Pearson. Changed my life, especially the, uh, the end that uh, George Mueller himself wrote. When his hour for prayer came, and by the way, you know when Jesus said, uh, could you not abide in prayer for one hour? I've heard people So I learned this truth. Men, prayer for an hour was easy. Because to just simply try to think of things to tell God, honestly, I run 
judge without a specific request. In fact, you have to write it out very specific. You can't just go with a baby. He knows exactly what he wants. Now, you don't know that until you've first gone to the legal books and come up with law so that you can justify what you're asking for. And so he said, what I do is, my prayer time, I always start with the Word of God. Now, many people I know pray and then read the Bible. To me, that's the exact opposite. My personal opinion would be, do a 180 on it. Now, you can do it any way you want, but we'll do it the right way for it. Um, that's really how I would say the difference. <laughs> Works for me. For George Mueller. So, you begin reading. Now, you can, uh, with your personal devotion, however you want to do it, but what I like to do is to take one book and begin validating it. Reading it. Now, read it to, like, you know, like when you do in college or high school, if you're trying to get something, you don't just, like, skim read it. You read it first, you kind of look it back and forward, you get a sense of it. Read it once or twice, and then you read it little by little, and then you begin to try to break it up. So, you're reading along. And I'm reading it, and I'm reading it, and I'm reading it. Oh, yeah, that's good. That, that's, that's good. And then all of a sudden, as I'm reading, something jabs me. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. It can be something kind of way out there, or it can be something quite well-known. But it's, ooh, yeah, that's good. Then that's the moment I stop and start praying. Because what's happened is, God has given me a legal argument to go to him with. And since he's the bench, he only listens to legal arguments. You can't just get up there and say, little, little one. You have to have something specific to go. you got to go get a legal argument, go to the judge, judge will answer you. You say, well, why does God do that? Here's why. This is a dub moment. Because now it's not your prayer. It's his prayer. He already told you to pray that. And if he told you to pray that, and if I go to him with that prayer, then it's a done deal. That's exactly why Jesus said, you've got to abide in me up your life, commit your life, cleanse your life, get this thing going your way, and then, after you get this kind of going, then get an argument from God, present it to Him, it's done. It is absolutely done. Friends, we run out of fuel because we're just blabbing. Now, just to be clear, God doesn't mind us pouring out our human complaints. Just so we're clear. David in Psalms very clear that God does not, he, he is not, as, and as Paul said in Hebrews, he said he is a high priest that touched with our infirmities. Thank God. There are times when I can't do anything but just say, oh, 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 God. I don't even know what to say. Oh, God. What can I say? Oh, and I have no legal argument. Well, thank God. He can hear that. That's why the Holy Spirit 
He interprets the Bible says both things. He makes intercession really you can't utter it because it's his. His unutterable prayers. The best prayers from the Spirit of God. But on the general everyday life. That's how I do it. And I tell you, friends, you talk about fuel. You don't have so much fuel in your jetliner, you could go around the globe 20 miles. There'd be no crashing. Because we need fuel for godliness. Put your eyes on Jesus. Let his words just soak in. That old We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.